Hello and welcome to the Talk Derby podcast once again. I'm Blake Fellows, sponsored by SMJ Brady, Elite Football Development and Connect Red. Today we've got Kevin Harper. Not a name that you'd necessarily associate with Derby as much as some of the other clubs he played for in his career. He played for Portsmouth, he went to Stoke where he ended his career, started at Hibs up in Scotland, was with the Rams for a short time during the Premier League season of 1998. I think he was with us for about two years. Best known for scoring at Anfield when Derby actually went there and won 2-1. The first time they won there in about 30 years. So a really famous goal he he scored and Paolo Wanchop scored the other. So we thought we'd have a catch up and find out all about that goal, all about how he played for the Rams under Jim Smith and why he ended up leaving. So let's have a listen to former Derby, Portsmouth and Stoke midfielder Kevin Harper. Welcome to, uh, to Talk Derby to me. Uh, guest today, Kevin Harper. Where else are you at, at the minute? Are you up in Scotland? Yeah, up in Scotland now. Yeah, I live in Scotland. So I've uh, been up here for, for a while since I, since I left Stoke. I went back up, went back up, to, up the road. How are things uh, for you at the minute? How's life? Uh, I don't know how different things are up there to how we are at the minute here, but um, how's, how is everything? It's, it's different. It's different now. We've just been back into, into pretty much lockdown again. Uh, for three weeks, the Glasgow area, so uh, there's no no foot no no kids football on or anything. Obviously, the, the professional games on, but uh, just pretty much back to the way it was in, uh, in March. Obviously, you're in, in coaching now. Is does that affect you uh, work-wise? Obviously, not being able to coach any any kids or any grassroots football. Uh, well, I'm just waiting to see what uh, the Nicola Sturgeon says uh, t- tomorrow. I think it's tomorrow, either today or tomorrow on the grassroots thing. I know. Yes, they've not really specified specified that twelve year olds and seventeen year olds can't play. So, but I think that may change. I don't know. We're just waiting, just waiting to see what happens, and then hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to keep the coaching going uh, and get kids up to speed. What is it that you? Is it your own company then that you coach with at the minute, or are you involved with the club? No, no, I just my own company. Own my, my, own, my own company. So we we coach. Professional players, youth players, young kids from you know from five up to up to the professional ranks, uh, and just development, you know, development, uh, passing on information to obviously the boys that are playing, and you know, look and see how we can how we can help them get better. Uh, fortunately enough, some of the players are, are playing in the first teams, which is which is very good. Was was coaching something you always wanted to get to after football, or was it? Did you do your badges and, and stuff with an eye to always getting into coaching, or was it something that? You, you kind of just fell into after after playing. Uh, it was just something that I, I felt I had felt always wanted to do it, but I didn't really do my badges until I had finished. Uh, I was I was probably not ready to finish when I finished, and then felt that I wanted to do my badges. It took me probably I, when I retired. Uh, I just hated football for about a year or so, uh, just because of the way I retired. I was just looking in a window, went turn left, turn right, sorry, and done my knee. And that's how I had to I had to retire. So uh, I wasn't ready to retire, but then I got into coaching. You know, I had done I set up my own business as well, and then you know felt that I wanted to go and do the the badges that you've got to do and, and done them. And you know, thankfully I ha- have done them. You know, because I learned I learned some things on it. You know, some of it's a tick box, but you know you have to have the badges now if you want to go forward in the game. How much do you think 
coaching and, and that side of the game, development-wise, has changed since you were a youngster um, and first coming into the game? Do you, feel, do you feel like it's come on a lot? I, th- I think it's changed. I think it's really, really changed. I think there's, I think sometimes the enjoyment can come out of it. You know, I think at, at my company, we're, we're about making sure that the, the players are enjoying it first and foremost. You know, they've got to enjoy, but they've got to learn as well. You know, so I think, I think for us, it's about marrying them, them two together and making sure that, you know, the players are, are seeing the development of what we're doing, you know, and, and, and seeing it on video, seeing it uh, recorded, going back, you know, so that they can see what they're doing wrong and how we're, how we're rectifying it and when they do it right, how much better it is. So, so for me, there's, it's certainly different. It's different. It's, you know, but we are, we are making sure that, you know, we're, our players are enjoying the game, enjoying the game most importantly. Is there anyone that you're involved with, involved with at the minute that you think might be one to watch? Any, any like a, an exclusive for us? <laughs> Not exclusive, no. But there's there's, there's some some in in the in the system that I think will do really really well and can move on. You know, if if they keep, if they keep doing what they're doing, you know, I think that's the biggest thing. I think the the, the thing that we find is when when they start in the, in the first team, they then take, take a step back rather than taking a step forward. You know, they almost feel as if they've made it because they've got the first team. You know, and that's the hardest part. When you're in the first team, it's, it's, it's the important part and the hardest part to stay in the first team. And it's just trying to get that across to them and help them to understand that that's, that, okay, you've got in the first team. That's the easy bit now done. The hard bit is now staying in there and staying and making sure that you're, the, you're one of the first names in the team team. Going back to when you first started, what are your first memories of getting involved in the game? Was it playing locally and then and then being spotted somewhere along them lines? Yeah, well, I get into football. It was just I was just out in the street playing with my, my mate, and he's he says, "Oh, I need to go. I'm going to football training." And I was like, "Well, what am I going to do?" He's like, "I don't know." So I just went and asked my mum if I could join him, and I said, uh, "He says, yeah, come along." So I went along, and and it all started from there. But it was just local local boys club teams, and then get spotted with Hibs and. You know, worked hard there, and then obviously got my move to the Derby in the Premier League, which was which was fantastic. The Hib side that you played in was actually it was a it was a, a brilliant side, wasn't it, in Scottish football? Um, yeah, it was it was a, it was a good side, that, but I, I think it was a real attacking side, and it had flair in it. But I think if you ask the Hibs fans, it's probably not one of the teams that they remember, if that makes sense. You know, because we probably we probably we done very well, but it was just. It was just one of the teams that, yeah, it was probably overlooking when it comes down to the, you know, one of the better teams, you know, through the history. Because, you know, just at that time, I thought we didn't win anything, but, you know, we had two, we had Celtic and Rangers who done, you know, who were blazing a trail, as they, as they always do, you know, and we were, we were there and we were mixing with them a little bit, for sure. For someone who watches, obviously, Scottish football from the outside, is it difficult to be playing in a decent side, kind of half knowing that you're probably not going to win out because Celtic and Rangers are so dominant? I think I think for me when I was a young kid it was just about playing. You know, I, I made my debut at seventeen, so it was me. I was just wanting to prove that I could play at that level. You know, it was yeah, you want to you want to win things, you want to you want to beat Celtic and Rangers, but you know, you know that it's going to they have to have a, a bad game, a bad day and you have to have a really good day. And it's it's been proven teams are teams are, are lesser than Hibs have done it, you know, but I think it's just a, a monetary thing as well. You know, they attract the better players with a better budget, but you know, all you can do is you just work hard against them and hopefully on that day, you know, have the belief in you, create chances and you score the chances and they maybe have a wee bit of an off day. But, you know, 
I think if they're working as hard as you, then inevitably the best players tend to rise to the top and they should they should win, you know. But on any given Saturday it's you can win, lose or draw, which is which is the beauty of football. What are your first memories of Derby County coming in for you then? Was uh, was there an approach by Jim Smith? Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was. We. It was just we had a we had a cup game in the in mid weekend and Gasty go down to Derby in a trial. Uh, went down and, and done pretty well. Played sixty minutes, sixty seventy minutes, I think, and then came back up the road the next day. And the the Hibs manager at the time said that Derby wanted to sign me. I was to go down and and you know signing talks and they went they went well and, and signed the contract. And I remember just. My first day going into the training ground and seeing all these uh, Aston Martins, Ferraris, and thinking, "What the hell?" Because I had been getting, I had been getting took back and forward. And one of the guys at Hibs had a, a Yugo, and he just used that for just putting miles on. So going into the car park was a bit surreal for me, you know, because I grew up in a, a really, really poor area. So it wasn't as if you were seeing the types of cars uh, every day. It's um, it was always quite weird because I lived quite close to to the where the training ground was at the time, and you used to drive past, see all the unbelievable cars, but then the training ground at the time didn't quite match the cars yeah. that were outside it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, I always remember the bit, the big shed to the side of it where we used to go in and we had massage chairs and stuff. You know, so for me coming from Hibs, we were, we were training in a in a university or a, a or a rugby a rugby pitch, a public park sort of thing. You know, and then going down to Derby and, and seeing, you know, these massage chairs, the training ground and the, the seven-a-side pitch that only get used on a Friday and then doing our, doing our, our shape stuff on a Thursday at the, at the baseball ground was, was pretty surreal for me. Yeah. It was another one of, of, that people always say, obviously we've had loads of ex-players on, was if you if you were playing on the bowling green on a Friday, you knew you were involved on the Saturday. So if you weren't if you weren't on that seven-a-side pitch, you knew you weren't, you weren't getting a game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was probably that was probably true. Uh, probably didn't look at it that way. To be fair, in my, in, in when I was there, but you know, I was I was I was most I was on that most of the time. To be fair, but unfortunately, I didn't play. I didn't start as many games as I would have liked to. Derby, to be fair. Was it surreal walking into to Derby? Obviously, for I'm a Derby fan, so it's more surreal for me. But the, some of the players that are in that changing room, um, the likes of One Chop, Stimac. Do you, do you look around as a as a fairly young kid and think? Wow, there's a there's a few players about here. But I think I think for me it was just it was just uh, just surreal, you know, going to from a young kid just grew up for a, a real tough tough neighbourhood, you know, and then going to the Premier League and and being part of the Premier League. Yeah, you always want to, but you know, it's it was my first time away from home, so you know, I had never I'd never lived in my own, you know, new a new city, new teammates to make. To make you know, trying to make an impression as well, being in the Premier League. So it was, it was, it was surreal for me. But you know, going in and, and seeing these players, you, you, it probably took me about a month to adapt. I think, you know, and just get my head around the whole situation. But you know, I think when when I was there, I was I was fine after that month. Was fine, you know. But the the, the players were the players were really good. You know, you, you, there's no doubt about it. The, the team that we had there was exceptional. You know, and they, and you think that Igor Igor and you think of uh, Stefani Ranio and Chicho Baiano, you know, even you go through the whole team, but even even them that were seasoned internationals were really, really helpful, you know, really helpful in, in settling in, you know, especially Stefani Stefan and uh, Igor, you know, they were they were big players for, for the team, but I think also the management team were good as well, you know, Steve McLaren and Steve Round as well were, were, were good for, for me settling in as well, you know, I could 
you know, I think they, they knew that I was a young kid coming down and, you know, I had to I had to sort of earn my stripes and, you know, play in the reserves and, you know, get the odd game in the first team and then come on as a sub. But it was good. It was a real good experience for me. Steve McLaren's not quite worked out of him management-wise at Derby the last couple of times, but every time his name gets mentioned by an ex-pro, the way they speak about him as a coach is he's up there as one of the best they've all played for. Is he, is he unbelievable as a coach? Yeah, fantastic, fantastic coach. You know, I, I think, I didn't really appreciate what he was doing. I think he was, when I look back, and he was probably ahead of his time uh, because, you know, looking back on it, Jim Smith didn't take much of the training. You know, he took, he took the Thursday set. The Thursday session when we were doing shape and stuff, but Steve McLaren and Steve Brown just pretty much took the first team, and you know everything that Steve done led into something else, and that's what people do now. But he was doing that what 20, 20 plus years ago, you know. And and hats off to what what he's done in in the game, and you know his knowledge. He was very very knowledgeable, but he was he was for me he was probably one of the best coaches that I've certainly worked under, if not the best. Was, was Jim Smith doing more of the, the man management side then, talking to players in the change room and, and the, the training, the tactical side was was more Steve? Jim, Jim came out on a Monday. You saw Jim on a Monday and then you saw him on a Thursday and then you saw him Friday, Saturday for the games. But, you know, Jim Jim Smith, Jim Smith was, was just a, a fantastic guy. You know, it was just a, a, a real, real man's man. You know, he had, had the banter with you, he had the chat with you, but he also could you know, have a pop at you as well. You know, but you always knew where you stood with him. You know, even if he even if he liked you, you knew where he stood. If he didn't like you, you knew where he stood. You know, and I don't he, he wasn't he wasn't the sort of person that held grudges. You know, although I look at it and although I never played as much as I as I felt that I should have at Derby when I went to when I went to Portsmouth and he came, there was no hard feelings about that, you know, from me or from him. Did you ever have to go on his door knock on his door and say, I think I probably should be involved here, Gaffer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Done that, done that a few times. Done that a few times, and you know, I spoke to spoke to Steve and spoke to the coaching staff, and you know, I, I think it was just, I don't know what it was. You know, he bought me just probably just didn't feel that what what they needed, it, what Derby needed at the time I was there. It was maybe more of a an impact person, you know. But I certainly felt that I had done enough in training and I had enough enough in the games that I came on to deserve a run, you know. But at the end of the day, managers have their own own. Or not uh, choices, you know, and that's what that's why for managers, I've got no, I've got no hard feelings about it. The, the biggest regret is that I didn't play nearly as, as much as I felt that I should. One question I always wonder, um, again from someone who's ne- who doesn't pl- who's never played, the Scottish Premier League coming to the English Premier League. What was the main difference you found? I think the main difference I found was when I was in Scotland, I was probably the quickest in in the game up there. You know, and then I came down there and I was I was just quick. I was quick. I wasn't like really quick. And you know, for me it was the, the physique and the build of most of the players. You never ever seen them in the gym. You know, I didn't ever see them in, in the gym, but they all seemed to be massive, you know, quick, strong, powerful. And that was the biggest that was the biggest difference for me. I think everybody, you know, for me being so quick up up in Scotland and coming down and being still quick. But not as you know, not in the probably I wasn't the fastest in the league, mm. you know. But whereas in Scotland I was, but I think that was the biggest difference, just more power in in the English Premier League. The memory that a lot of Derby fans, well, particularly Derby County fans, will remember you for is the goal at Anfield. And uh, yeah. it's very, very rare that Derby win it. Well, it is now because we're not in the same league. But um, <laughs> <laughs> what are your what are your memories of that day? Because from my memory, it was it was kind of a 
there was a lot of changes that day, weren't they? Was it? Was yeah. There yeah, there was a lot, a lot of injuries. There was a lot of injuries that that week. You know, most of the most of the experienced boys were were out injured, uh, and I just remember, you know, remember having a feeling that we were going to go there and win. I don't know what it was. It was just a just a, a strange a strange feeling. You get it, you get it. Sometimes as a player, you know, and I think we done really really well. We played really well, you know. We, we scored good goals, you know, and for me to make my make my first start, first derby start, that was my first derby start, you know, at Anfield, score a, score a goal in front of the court and win the game. You know, I think as debuts come, they don't come much better, better than that, you know, because they had a quality side as well, you know, but I think to, to a man, we were we were different class that day. Yeah, I watched the highlights on it a few days ago and... That Liverpool side is a is a joke. I mean, they they pulled one back, didn't they? I think it was Redknapp that yeah. scored late on. Yeah. But it, like the build up to the goal, it was like I remember thinking, wow, you, like you, you you forget when you look back how good that Liverpool side were. Oh, for sure. You know, you, you just go you just go through. You can go through the team, and you every, I think pretty much every single one of them are internationals. You know, and, and we were we were stepping in with you know a a, a patched up squad probably. It's a patched up team, but we we made we made a success, and it just shows you when your your back's against the wall, and you're maybe not felt, you're not genuinely think that you can win the game, you know, outside, but inside we genuinely felt we could win the game, and it was a, it was a great performance, I think, over the over the ninety minutes, and probably a deserved win. Do you look back over your time at Derby? Maybe a difficult question to answer. Maybe feel like you could have done any more to to feature, or do you think you you just probably wasn't Jim's kind of player? No, I think I don't think I could have done it any anymore. You know, I think in training I was probably one of the best trainers. I think in in the reserve games that I had played, I had done well, and I think in the games that I had actually played and got a chance on, I done well. You know, it's, I think when I look at it, it's it's difficult to affect a game with five or ten minutes. You know, at the end of the game, you know, yeah, you want you want to get opportunities, but you know that's just the way it is. That's the way football is. You know, you you come into a team, you know. I done, I done well. He obviously liked what he saw when I when when he signed me, but he just might might have maybe thought I don't know what his thought process was. If I'm honest, you know, but I certainly knew that I gave 100 percent every every single time I, I trained, I played, whether it was in the reserves or whether it was the first team. And for me, I can look myself in the mirror and say, you know, I done my bit. You know, but at the end of the day, just just didn't happen for me. That was that was the thing, you know. And that's that's football, as they say. How did the, the move to Portsmouth come about then? Because you went out on loan for a bit first, didn't you? And then ended up going to Portsmouth. Yeah, I went, I went out and loaned to Walsall over the Christmas period and, and, and done well there. And, you know, the, the Portsmouth move came sort of out of the blue. You know, I was I, I thought that I was going to Walsall. I genuinely did think I was going to Walsall. And then, obviously, Tony Poulos came and, and, and wanted to sign me. And I went down to Portsmouth and, and spoke to him and spoke to Milan. And, you know, I'm a football player because I want to play football, not to sit on the bench. You know, I playing the reserves. I wanted to play, and whether that was dropping out of the Premier League, then that's what that that's what had to happen. You know, and I, I went there and I really, really enjoyed my time at Portsmouth. So it was Pulis, Pulis that first signed you at Portsmouth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's another one that I've, I don't think we've ever had anyone on who's played for him. What's what's his what's he like as a gaffer? I, th- I think I think he. I I really I really enjoyed it. You know, it, it becomes monotonous. It can become monotonous, but. I think what I learned from the game, you know, in positional side of things and, and the shape side of the game and being fit through with Tony Pulis was was fantastic for me personally. Other people think very differently, you know, 
played it. I played in that four four two, but it was like I was playing wing back or I was playing a second right back at times. That's how he wanted you to play, you know. And that's that's a, that's the way he is, you know. He, he, I think you look at all these teams; they're very difficult to beat, mm. you know. And he's very very big on shape and making sure that you're you're, you're defending properly and you're you're not getting beat. I think if I think he, he thinks that. You know, if you're now now getting into the 80, 90th minute, then you've always get you always get that chance to win. You know, and you, you can't always you can't always win games when you're conceding four and five goals. Did you also play for Redknapp at Portsmouth? I'm doing this from yeah. memory, so if I'm speaking wrong, yeah. but yeah, and that and that was the unbelievable team that went up, wasn't it? The, with yeah, Mer- yeah. And, and that, that. What? How does Redknapp compare? Because he, he's a fascinating character to me. Obviously, I've never been sat in a dressing room with him, but. He, yeah. He seems to me like the kind of manager that told me to run for a brick wall. I'll probably go head first. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think I think they're very diff- they're very different in that sense. You know, Tony's very methodical and he's 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 structured and everything. Harry makes you just feel that you're the best player in the world. You know, and I think that's what he does. Harry builds fantastic teams. He's a very good coach as well and tactically aware. You know, but I think that team we just felt that if. Anybody who'd scored one goal, we'd have scored two. If they had scored two, we'd have scored three. They scored three, we scored four. You know, that's that's what we had. That's what we had at that time. You know, and by far we were head and shoulders, the best side in the league. You know, and Merce was sensational. You know, but lots of other there was lots of other people that were really good. You know, Todorov, Steve Stones, Matt, uh, Matt Taylor. You know, Ariane Zoo, Hayden Fox. You know. Gary O'Neill broke into the side as well. Shaka Hislop, Limboy Primus, Nigel Quasi, you know, myself. So we, we we had we had a real, real great blend of flair and work rate, you know, and that that was it, that was the biggest thing for for us. And you know, in all honesty, we probably won the league in that canter. Yeah, I can, I can remember that season. And yeah, they were unplayable at times. They really were yeah. You mentioned briefly earlier, Jim obviously returned um to Portsmouth to be Harry's number two. Yeah. What, what was their relationship like? Because it, it always seemed to be a, a really, a really nice, kind of like a Clough Taylor type partnership. Yeah, it was. It was very. It was very good. It was very good. You know, obviously Jim had managed Portsmouth previously. You know, he got coming back as, as Harry's assistant. It was. It was a real good vibe off the two of them. You know, the, the two of them are, are similar in character. You know, they, they they have a have a good laugh with the players, but you know, Jim and Harry are they. You know, I think they, they, they bounce off each other really well and they're probably cut from the same type of cloth as well. You know, so for, for me it was it was great. You know, yeah, when, when Jim came in there was a worry that, you know, maybe what had happened at Derby then maybe affect, you know, at Portsmouth. But it certainly didn't. You know, I, I got the opportunity and, and I probably played I think I played my, maybe the most games, you know, that season, you know, uh, when we won up when we went up, which was which was a, a real, real good thing for me after, you know, as, as I said, I left Derby. I could have stayed at Derby and just sat on the bench. But, you know, for me, I've been in the reserves. But as I say, I, I'm a footballer. I wanted to play football and that's what I've done. I was fortunate enough to, you know, it wasn't all rosy. It wasn't all rosy, I can assure you, at Portsmouth. You know, we stayed up in the last game of the season. Uh, one of the, the seasons season prior to that, I think. Uh, or two seasons prior to that and then get promoted, then get promoted to, you know, the, the Premier League two two seasons after. So, you know, I think it, it shows the impact that A Harry made, but also Milan as well for, for giving Harry the, 
the cash to go and spend and, and the players that Harry brought in were, were fantastic. International-wise, uh, for Scotland, you obviously played in the Premier League and an unbelievable Portsmouth side we've mentioned. Do you feel like you maybe could have won a few caps and maybe should have won a few more caps? I think I should have, yeah. And I think if you if you look at it now, you know, probably at that time they did feel that the, the championship was was that great a league, you know, uh, which beggars belief, you know, but at the end of the day I certainly deserve I think I think I deserve playing, you know, in this in, the, in this national setup, you know, and that's without a doubt, you know. But again, you know, managers managers have their have their options and have their choices. I was in a few I was in a few squads, done really well at training and you know, I remember players coming up and saying, Kevin, I can't believe you're not in the team. You know, what you've done in training has been been excellent. You know, so when your peers are saying that it take you take a you take a little bit of heart from that. But you know, at the end of the day, sometimes your face doesn't fit no matter what you do. You know, and that's probably that's probably what happened at, in the Scotland setup. Do you think, obviously there's a lot of politics in football, do you think if you'd have played in the SPL and stayed at Hibs, you'd have got in and played a few more caps? Yeah, definitely. Definitely, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, as I say, I think, I've said this in, in numerous times, I think they, they didn't look past the Scottish League at that point, mm. you know, uh, unless you were unless you were in the, in, the, in the Premier League, you know, but I, they certainly didn't look at the Championship, you know, but I think everyone knows, and everyone knows that, well, Everybody knew then and everybody knows now how difficult what a league the championship is and how many good players there is. You know, and for, for me to be playing alongside Steve Stone, International, Paul Merson, you know, Tim Sherwood, Shaka Hislop, Hayden Fox, Todd Roth, all international players and playing week in, week out, you think you deserve your chance, but hey, that's that's the way it is. It's no there's no hard feelings from me, you know, but I think when you look at when you look back on it, you know, I should certainly have got at least one cap. Mm. Um, playing career-wise, and you've touched on it briefly. I hope you don't mind me asking about how you, your career came to an end because it wasn't. Cause it was obviously um, tragic. Yeah. I was, I was, I was, I was in holiday just a, a week. Well, it wasn't a holiday. It was just a weekend break in, in Barcelona, and I was just looking in a uh, travel window and just went to turn off, turn right, and, and done the outside of my cartilage and uh, had three three operations on it, and it just. It wasn't healing, so just had to had to call time on it, you know. And I think that's how you know I I found it difficult to come to terms with because probably wasn't ready. I was thirty two at the time, you know. I still had probably another four or five years, I, I believe, uh, to play. But you know, I've that's you know life life throws you life throws you difficult circumstances. You know, I'm I'm proud and, and thankful that I got you know to thirty two playing professional football, you know from a wee guy that you know couldn't afford the ball, you know, as a as a kid, you know, playing and the you know playing at Anfield, playing playing at Derby, playing against you know the Arsenal's, the Manchester United, the Chelsea's, you know, in the Premier League is is you no, know, it's something good to look forward to. And the fact that I've got you know three league winners medals, you know, two championships promotion to the the Premier League and, and one from League Two and League One, then you know get something to look back on and and be proud of. Any any regrets looking back on your playing career? Anything you'd change? Yeah, yeah, I think I could have done better. You know, I, I think I could have for, for the talent I had. You know, I could have maybe maybe worked a little bit harder on the things that I didn't do. I, I wasn't good at. You know, but you know, I think I could have probably ate better. You know, I think at that time, just as I was sort of coming to an end, all the, the sports science and stuff was coming in. 
you know, I was really, I was really intrigued to be all, all that, you know. But I, th- I think at that time it was that was the culture of football, you know. It's it, it wasn't it wasn't me, you know, being ridiculous, you know, with eating. It was just the culture, you know. But looking back on it now, if I if I knew then what I know now about how the how healthy and etc. and you know being really being really strict benefits you, then it would be different. But then we didn't know that, you know. So I think in that sense, I I, I gave my all. Could I have could I have probably moved to different different clubs would probably have suited me better. Yeah, I probably could have. But at the end of the day, that's only by hindsight. You know, I made that choice at that time, thinking that that was the best choice for me. Did that? Did the were the choices always the right choice? Looking back on it, no. But at the time, they certainly were. Coaching wise, now then, obviously you you do more of your own company. Do you have aspirations to get into to management? Yeah, yeah, I was I was in management. I was in management. At, uh, I managed a, a team in League Two in Scottish League Two uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, took over. They were seventh. Seven points. Uh, I drafted the bottom in the league, and we ended up staying up with eight points, which was which was fantastic, and probably saved saved the club from you know possibly going not getting back into the the, the league. Uh, so that was a that was a proud moment, you know, just looking to see what's out there at the present moment in time. I know there's a, a lot of a lot of coaches looking at that, you know, but hopefully something will come up, you know, hopefully something down down in England or up in Scotland will come up and that'll be the right opportunity for them. It's a difficult question to ask, but I have had um, quite a few uh, ex-players on um, that as black, uh, as black men yeah. feel there's an unconscious bias towards applications and uh, particularly Michael Johnson, who's, a, who's involved at Derby. Yeah. And he, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, unfortunately, but it was a, a ridiculous amount of applications that he'd sent into clubs without hearing anything at all. Yeah. Do you find that there is a, 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 a kind of an unconscious bias or a harder yeah, for black men? There certainly is. There certainly is. Well, I I applied for over 40, 40 positions uh, before I got my my opportunity. And that was, out of, out of the over 40, I get one interview. And it was the Albion Rovers manager's job and I got the job. So 40 applications, you know, I, I think. Certainly, was I, was I the best candidate for every single one of them? No. Was I, was I the best candidate for the majority of them? Yeah, I genuinely believe that. You know, so I certainly think there's an unconscious bias, you know, regarding black play, black coaches. That's for sure. I think you just have to look at the leaks, you know, especially if you look at it in Scotland. There's only one black black manager in Scotland, you know, out of the forty out of the forty two teams, you know, and that's including assistant managers and coaches, you know. So that's not really diverse, you know. And I think if when I became a manager, I'll be Rovers, I was the first black manager in fifteen years in Scotland. You know, which for me and in any, any walk of life, I think is ridiculous. You know, uh, so you know, there's there's obviously needs to be change. Will there be will there be change in my thing? I don't know. I don't know. I think we've still got the elephant in the room. You know, we're making all the right noises, but until it changes and we see real change, then the elephant is always going to be sitting in sitting in the corner. We spoke to Paul Williams, um, who's had coaching roles. Um, at different clubs in England and I spoke about racism in the game to him and he said the only difference Blake is um, when I started playing on YTS it was in your face he said now and nowadays it's not and he said that's the that's the big thing and it really struck with me that, that yeah. that's kind of the truth that people kind of think just because there's not racist chants and all everything that went on that, that there's 
nothing underlying. And I think that makes yeah. it a more difficult problem. No, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult problem. The, the analogy I look at and, and, and suggest is, you know, the, you're talking about the KKK. KKK. I, know that, I, know, I know that they don't like blacks and I can see them coming, but it's the person in the suit and tie or the dress nice that is the racist that you don't see. You know, and that, I think that's it. That's the worrying thing. You know, I think it's becoming more prevalent because we've got social media. People think they can do whatever they want and say whatever they want in social media and the companies aren't doing anything about it. But, you know, football's got a huge, huge platform and I don't think they use it enough. You know, you look at the things that Marcus Rashford are doing, is doing Mahim Sterling as well. You know, I think we have, we have a duty. We have a duty to the next generation to make sure that we're not talking about it. You know, if you're talking about something, then there tends to be an issue. That's when you that's when you talk about things. You know, and I think if you look at, you know, throughout the throughout the football league in England, how many black managers is there? Four, five maybe? You know, out of 92, 92 clubs. You know, it's it's the racial, the racial, you know, the racial dispensation of it is is not great. You know, if you look at if you look at it. But you know, considering that there's probably about twenty five percent of the, the players are black. You know, for there probably only to be maybe, you know, five percent, six percent black coaches. But in the in the flip side, I'm not saying that I deserve a role because I'm black. Mm. What I'm saying is I deserve an equal opportunity. Mm. You know, so there's a difference. You know, people think that black coaches are, are spouting about they want they want a coaching role. No, they want an equal opportunity to get that coaching role. And that's a big thing. It's like you said earlier, but you weren't necessarily the the best candidate for them jobs, but you probably you you certainly uh, worthy of an interview because you've yeah. been everything. So you still get you still deserve the opportunity to go in a room and put yourself across. Yeah, you, you know, I think I think when you get when you get an interview, you might not always be the best candidate for the role, but you might you might end up being the best candidate by the way that you put yourself across. But if you're not getting that opportunity, how do you know? You know, that's it. You know, you you have to you have to get interviews. You have to genuinely believe that you're going to get interviews, you know, but I don't think there should be an unbiased, you know, decision on racism because I'm black. Because I look at it and I, I make the, the analogy of if Jose Mourinho, say, and Kevin Harper put their CVs in at the same time, then Jose Mourinho is obviously going to get the job, you know, because you look at his CV, he's got a much better CV than Kevin Harper. So he deserves the job, but... When you're putting your, when I'm putting myself, putting a CV in against someone that is similar or less in there getting a the job, then there's an issue, I think. Yeah, and the issue comes where it becomes disheartening if people yeah. are using constantly and not getting interviews, then they just say, oh, well, I'll end up doing something else because I'm never going to get a management role. Yeah, and I think a lot, a lot, I think a lot of good black coaches have done that as well. Yeah, you know, just what's the point? It's sad, and hopefully there'll be. Um... Well, I wish you all the best in, in finding a role. And if and next time you get your next management role, I'll come up and be your PR man and <laughs> media for you. <laughs> no worries, mate. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Yes, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for your time. Cheers, mate. Take it easy. Catch you later.